When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. This is one of my favorite show formats. We've interviewed guests, we talk to each other, but what I like so much about hearing from our listeners is what their questions are. And we often reach out to our Facebook groups, Building Boys and Boys Alive, to find out what you want to know about, dear listener. So Jen, what's up? What are people asking about? Not surprisingly, People are frustrated and a little confused about how best to deal with and support. That's really the the key that parents are looking for. They want to support their tween and teen boys. And what I'm hearing from parents, and I know you hear this as well, is as boys enter these years, it's like things are changing What's normal? What's not? What should I be alarmed about? And what can I do? So Allison summed this up so beautifully, I thought. She wrote, we have a 14-year-old boy and I'm on shifting sands. I love that phrase. That's great. I'm trying to find balance supporting and loving him while holding boundaries for battles that feel worthy of fighting. I know you all have talked young teens before, but this is all new for me, and I'm really struggling to find my new normal now that he's growing into a young man. We're strongly attached and lots of love, so I'm grateful we get to start from there, but he can be combative and moody, and I'm often taken aback by what new terrain this is. Oh, yes, we've heard this a lot, and I just kind of want to reach out and give that mama a hug. Mm-hmm. Because it is hard. And as you were reading, I was thinking about all the moms that also come to each of us when their sons are about, oh, four, five years old. And again, it's that feeling of, what happened to my boy? He's changing so radically. And this is another big developmental step for our young boys growing into men. And I think I always go back to the place of talk to him, let him know this is normal. It's hard. Your brain is changing. Your body's changing. All of those things that we talk about so much so that you can have that as a somewhat firm foundation. Because as you said, you know, the sands are always shifting. And just when you think you've got it figured out, it's going to change. Yep. But to start from that place of letting him know you're okay, this is perfectly normal, and also to have your boundaries. You know, it's not okay for him to cuss you out or whatever it might be. It's, I'm going to help you 
learn to cope with these new emotions. I'm here as your guide. I've got your back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As I was thinking about her question, and I find questions like this pretty funny that they're directed at me because on the one hand, I can talk and I can share the advice and I can be the expert. And inevitably then I go upstairs to deal with my own family and I get hit with something and I find myself going, I don't know what to do. So I feel a lot of empathy for her. And now that my three boys that are already bona fide teens and Sam is, is teed up two weeks, he's going to turn 13. <laughs> They're all teens. I really emphasized to her, I sent her a message and I said, if I could give you one piece of advice, take care of yourself. Mm. Because there are things you can do to help understand your son better. And we'll circle back to that in just a few minutes. But it's hard. And the sands are constantly shifting. And whatever you do on any one day is not necessarily going to be the solution or the answer. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of emotional energy to get through it. Yeah, I like that. A marathon on shifting sands. How about that? <laughs> and I choose not to run marathons, so I don't know what I'm doing doing <laughs> this parenting thing. You mentioned uh, talking to her son about some of the changes that are going on in his brain during adolescence. I think that's so important to learn more about that. And um, you and I have both shared before some books and resources that we'll include in the show notes that Allison and others can look to simply learn a little bit more about what is going on in your son's brain. For me, I found that to be helpful in developing empathy for him. It's easier to not take it all as a personal attack or a sign that I have failed as a parent if I know it's there, there's developing going on in the brain. The frontal lobe that has a little more control develops later than the part of the brain that is impulsive. And that helps me understand why my boys can be so quick, for instance, to anger or to react rather than, you know, taking a deep breath and responding like a human being. It doesn't always happen. I think of that, those emotional parts that the impulsive that you talked about is like the charging elephant that is out ahead and is thrashing and crashing through everything. And then there's that little, the little mouse coming along behind going, yeah, I really should have probably thought about that before I said, did whatever it is. And so hopefully that can help you help your son understand what's going on. Cause it doesn't feel good. You know, he's not meaning to be awful yet he is. And a lot of times he, in retrospect, in hindsight, he can say, oh yeah, I did not mean to do that. That's not what I intended, but. But don't necessarily expect that he is going to come to you and say that. Yes. You may not hear that ever. And if you do, he'll probably be, I'm going to guess at least in his twenties, could be his thirties. I'm waiting for my guys to hit their forties before we can really get through some of this stuff together. You know, the other thing that happens around this time is that boys also become extremely forgetful. And if they haven't been disorganized before, they might be extremely disorganized. And so rather than getting frustrated, which we might get frustrated, but helping to temper the frustration is just knowing that this is happening and it is all 
about what's going on in their brain, not to mention the 5,000 distractions that they have because they may start noticing the opposite sex or the same sex. So that's pretty distracting. Video games, garage challenges. And if you haven't heard about that, Jen will link to that podcast episode. So there's a lot, a lot going on and more input than maybe he has been used to in the past. You said something before that I think can be helpful to parents as they're entering the stage. And you talked about identifying your boundaries. And I think that can be really helpful to deliberately think through what are the things that you are going to insist on? What are those lines for you? You mentioned, you know, not not cussing at you. Maybe, okay, if you use curse words, as you talk about something or you share your feelings about something, depending on your personal family values, whole nother thing if you're directing them at me. That's okay. Think that through. When do you, when is it okay? When is it not okay? If you have a partner who is parenting with you, these are really helpful conversations to have and having some of them in advance can help decrease conflict and frankly, the risk of just reacting in the moment when situations come up. That said, you are going to think about your boundaries. You're probably going to come up with some and you're going to revisit these conversations over and over as your kids grow. They're going to test the boundaries. You're going to question, is that an appropriate boundary? Why was that the boundary? And that's okay. That's normal. But thinking some of this through when you're calm is much more productive than responding in the moment. Absolutely. Having those boundaries and knowing that now, I mean, when your boy was four, those boundaries could be pretty solid. Now he's 14 and those boundaries are there and it's good. You've thought them through. This is my boundary. But now it's time to also be open to negotiation Mm -hmm. and to considering his point of view. So maybe he's pushing for a later curfew and you're still holding the boundary at 10, but he wants it to be 1130. Then it can become a conversation and you can kind of take the stance of convince me. You know, here's another one. I've heard somebody dealing with this one just this week. Her son wants to play the video games where you are interacting with other people virtually. And to date, she has said no, which is an easy way to avoid the risk of, you know, perhaps running across somebody you don't want your kid dealing with. But now that her son is 13, he's pushing hard. It's a lot easier to just say no, but having these conversations with your son, expressing your concerns, listening to his ideas, and finding a way to maybe help him get some of what he wants while also addressing your concern for his safety and talking about all these things like, what do you do if somebody says something that makes you uncomfortable? It's preparing our kids to grow up. It's hard work. That's why I said self-care but it's important. Yeah, this is the time that, as our good friend Catherine Reynolds-Lewis says, to find mutually satisfying answers. They've got to work for you, but you also want them to work for your boy too. In that, you're acknowledging his 
developing sense of responsibility. He may not be there yet and likely isn't, but that he is taking more responsibility. You're able to put more trust in him. And it's a balance. And one day it might go really well. And the next day it might all fall apart. So then you start over again and here's where we're starting from. We're going to pull back one step and then we'll go two steps forward. That is completely normal. The thing with boundaries, especially as our kids are growing, is no matter what boundaries you set or if you negotiate them, they will blow past them. They will break them. That is what being a teenager is all about. And as parents, we can think that, ah, clearly I'm doing this all wrong. My kid is a terrible human being. We can go to those places in our heads. It is normal. Every single teenager on the planet has challenged their parents' boundaries. They'll do it repeatedly. Go back, start over. If you need to just end that day right there and say, I'm going to my room, I'm going to read a book, I'm going to take a hot bath, whatever, and then you get up the next day and you start all over. I hope that helps Allison and all of our listeners take a deep breath and realize they're not alone as their sons are pushing pushing those boundaries. Sometimes having these conversations with you helps me because then when I'm actively parenting my own boys and there's something going on and they're driving me crazy and I'm about ready to you know, launch into whatever, I end up laughing instead. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is, deal with it. Mm -hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of 
nature's irony, which is oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. It's telehealth. You can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash onboys. Winona, menopause care made easy. Because I know what I said. I know what I told other people to do. So so ridiculous. And all right, start over. Yeah. yeah. Did you get any questions in from your Facebook group? Margaret asked, how about some conversation about the highly sensitive tween and teen boy, how to protect and honor and self-care that gifted sensitivity and integrate and be resilient and grow into their full masculine self in a way that honors and keeps the sensitive piece safe and ideally shares and appreciates it in helpful, meaningful, contributing ways. Well, that's an easy one. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That is a big question that addresses so many of our concerns. And I actually got a similar one in my group. Um, Another mom said, how to help boys who are gentler survive adolescence. And interestingly, uh, just recently in uh, this first part of January 2019, the American Psychological Association came out with a brand new report guidelines for the psychological practice with boys and men. And uh, this report, you may have seen it in the news. It's saying that the APA, this organization, is slamming toxic masculinity. And so some people are saying they're saying that masculinity is bad and men are bad and there's going to be all all this debate and discussion about it. But really what this report is saying is that this stereotypical type of masculinity that has been held up, frankly, as the way, not one of the ways, but the way to be a man, this idea that you are strong and you don't need anything from anybody and you're independent and you're stoic and you are, you'll fight to get what you need. This can be a pretty limiting and psychologically damaging construct for boys and men. And really what this question is getting at is how to help boys who don't fit into that. And I think that the beautiful thing is that there's this shift happening in society. I think finally we are starting to open up and recognize there are lots of ways 
to be a boy and a man. And that's okay. So if you have a boy um, who's in adolescence, who, who meets that definition of more sensitive or feeling like they don't fit in, I would actually share that report with them or at least summarize it and talk about it and say, look, people are recognizing there's more than one way. You have a lot to offer the world just as you are. We need you. And that may not help him as he's suffering through math class or after school sports or whatever it might be. And so it is also a place to help him find his tribe. Yes. Help him find his tribe. You know, and it's not that you're not going to encourage him to be friends with all kids and be nice to everyone, all of that, but to really help him find his tribe. And you may have to be pretty proactive about that. Maybe you're inviting kids over to your house that you feel like are similar temperaments and so that they can just relax and be comfortable with their people around them. And it may be that he has that one friend and be okay with that. Really look at your child and see how you can help him be fed by his peers Maybe there's somebody that you've noticed that he hasn't noticed that he mm-hmm. might be a good fit with and, and talk about it. And he doesn't have to be like everyone else. My oldest son falls into this category, you know, highly sensitive, gifted, feels things deeply. And he ended up finding his tribe in the music department at Mm -hmm. school. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I was the same way as a teen and I found my tribe in the music and drama department too. That's not going to be a fit for every highly sensitive boy, but it often can be because for one, music is such a beautiful way to express the sensitivity and all those deep feelings, to feel it and to make it with other people. And then when you're surrounded by other people who are also doing that, kind of increases the probability that they may share your sensitivity. Drama, same thing. It's an, it's an outlet. I remember um, this son, he did a community theater show when he was about 10 years old. And he had a hard time finding kids that he hit it off with, in large part because he was this highly sensitive, gifted kid, and he just didn't fit into boy world. There were a few other kids in this play. They, they did a part of it was Charlie Brown's Christmas. My kid, was, my kid was Linus, Janet. He did that beautiful monologue of the Christmas story and made Aww. me cry. Aww. I'll cry again thinking about it. But there was this other girl who was in it also. She goes to a completely different school, different town, and Nathan and this girl just hit it off. I remember being at the cast party, and those two were just talking and talking and talking, and I go over there, and they're talking about world politics and history, and they're 10 but they found each other. And I I got to know the girl's mom then. I went over, I'm like, can you believe this? And her daughter too had a hard time finding kids who were like her. So you can't always guarantee when you sign your kid up for a club or a production that they're going to find somebody like them. But when it happens, it is beautiful. So I hope this helps, Margaret, give you a little bit of insight. And most of all, just love him and honor him. School and social situations may be a struggle. You can't control how the other kids are going to treat him or react to him. And that is a tough reality. You can help him handle that. And by having your house be a safe space where he is 
honored and loved for who he is, that can make a big difference to a kid. If they're struggling in school for whatever reason, but they feel safe at home, they're going to be okay. And you may also point out that there are other people in your family that have similar traits, that are adults, successful well-rounded adults, you know, maybe it's uncle Jimmy was, I remember when he was like that in school Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, look what he's doing now. I always feel like it's important to give kids kind of the long range view because Mm -hmm. there's so much in the moment and feeling like what's wrong with me or this is a terrible day, but to help kind of give them that timeline and that perspective of here's an adult who is highly sensitive and this is, you know, this is the the writing that he does or how he expresses it in the world and how people connect with him because of his sensitivity. I've got a tough question now. At least for me, it's a tough one to answer. Um, Linda asks us about how to help boys deal with implicit bias, such as at times lower expectations from teachers, benefit of the doubt going to the girls in a conflict, etc. Oh man, this has come up so many times for me lately. I have one dad who's really struggling with this with his fourth grade boy who has gotten in trouble on several occasions when one, for instance, was playing tag with some girls and the girls suddenly didn't want to play anymore. The boy didn't get that message, probably pretty subtle message. And he ended up getting in trouble because he wasn't able to articulate the situation as well as the girl could articulate the situation. And I think this happens a lot in school that the girls are able to more quickly, more clearly explain and maybe even explain their way out of a situation. And the boy is left going, wait a minute, what just happened here? And if that happens more than a few times, he's going to shut down and be like, why bother? This is, nobody's listening to me anyway. Um, So I think we have to talk about this a lot and be so aware and careful about how teachers and parents are responding to situations where there's conflict. This is the hard one for me because it's very difficult to walk that line between supporting our sons, acknowledging and validating what they see, and yet also supporting the teacher. And what I mean by that is, even if it is blatantly apparent to me that there's probably some kind of implicit bias that is affecting how this teacher is interacting with the boys in the class, it doesn't feel appropriate for me to say to my son, yeah, you're right, your teacher just doesn't like boys. I don't want to to reinforce that. And yet at the same time saying, well, no, I'm sure she cares about everybody in the class equally. Kids know when that's not true. They have an innate sense and it is often dead on accurate about the teacher's preferences, um, the teacher's reactions to students. So do you have any advice? Like how can parents walk that line and what do they say to their kids when their kid's complaining of what seems like unfair treatment? I'm reminded of the mom who came to me in the spring of her son's first grade year and said that he came home and told her that mom, all the girls are perfect 
and I'm the bad one, which you know it has been the message from that teacher. I mean, we're not going to change the teacher. We're not going to change the system. We ha- have to help our sons understand what is going on, that adults react differently. I think as little kids, we think adults are perfect and what they do is right. And I think it's okay to start age appropriately explaining. It is, again, one of those places where we have to have the conversations. It's messy. It's not clear. There's no right answers, but we have to help them become critical thinkers, help them start to be able to look at situations kind of from that bird's eye view of what is going on here. This happened, then this happened, then this happened. Well, how do you think that person, you know, what's their story? What's their reaction? We struggle with this as adults. We don't have the answers. This is one of those where none of us can escape having to deal with it. But I think that it really is going to come down to cultural change. And we, as the adults, have to work on this. I know that you are actively doing this all the time in your work with teachers. Teachers, like all of us human beings, we need more education and training on implicit bias, which is where you just have these preconceived notions about people or groups of people in your head. And we all have them. It's a part of how we we were raised, we grew up, things we experienced. But an awareness of them and how they can affect our interactions with others can empower us to, to change so that our behavior better matches what we really think and what we believe. That takes time. That takes a lot of time. For this issue, this implicit bias issue, and a teacher treating the boys different in class than the girls, it it can warrant discussions with the teachers. It can warrant discussion with the administration. It won't resolve the problem immediately, but it's all of us taking these tiny steps towards change. Again, having your house be a, a safe place and you not also overreacting, for instance, when your son gets in trouble at school really can make a difference for your kid. You know, when your son feels like he has been treated unfairly at school, whether that's an accurate perception or not, but if he feels like he has been treated unfairly at school, the hammer came down on him at school, then you get the email or the phone call or the note, and then you come down hard on him too, that's soul crushing. Yeah. There are times when it may be warranted, right? But you got to use your judgment and you have to think about, you know, okay, the situation they're telling me about, is it really serious? And do I need to do something beyond what the school has already done? Again, it's taking that long range view. You know, is this a problem that's come up multiple times? Is this a one-off problem? Let's look at it that way. I got to tell you, uh, this week, I had another moment where I opened up my phone, you know, and my phone shows me my new emails that came through and it was subject line, Sam from Sam's teacher. Oh boy. My immediate reaction is, because I know it is not an email telling me how wonderful he is. Now, 
these teachers are smart. They're really good at also including in there. Yes, you know, in general, I think your kid is a decent human being. But the gist of the email was that he was talking and screwing around with his friends when he shouldn't have been. And I had to send him to the hall and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, here we go again. It's a long haul. It's a long haul. It is a long haul. And I'm sure you'll put in the show notes the reference back to the podcast episode about those teacher emails. Emails and phone calls from teachers. I wish I didn't have so damn much experience with that topic. Oh, Jen, this is always so interesting. We kind of never know what the questions are going to be and and certainly never know what the answers are going to be. (laughs) I think we have been able to impart some wisdom and hopefully some help today. You know, if you are interested in getting our feedback on something that's going on with your family, something you're curious about, you are invited to join us for one of our open mic sessions. So it's very similar to this, except for that you are live with us in real time. We'll share the link with you so that you can dial in, can see us, you can hear us, we can hear and see you, and you can ask your question, we can give feedback, you can provide some more information, you can respond. Other parents on the, on the call also share their insight, which is great. Like Janet, as much as it pains me to say this, you and I don't have all the answers. I know. <laughs> so I've had so many moms tell me how valuable it is to have heard the other people, not just moms, but teachers and dads, to hear their experience and to know, you know, somebody's out ahead of me. They've had this happen. It's not just my kid. And so, yeah, we have, you know, we have our limited scope of wisdom and experience. And when we add it all together and we, as females, you know, we love to process out loud and we come up with some amazing solutions and answers that come out of that conversation. And that's why we decided to start these open mics because it is a chance to be in conversation in real time with all of you. Our next one is scheduled for January 31st. We will include the link in the show notes and that will have everything you need to get signed up. And you know, whatever question you guys asked that we answered today, I'm sure that by the time you listen to this episode, you're going to have other additional questions because remember, shifting sands. That is how this parenting thing works. That is how this parenting thing works. The link to find all the information about Open Mic is at our website, onboyspodcast.com, hyphen between onboys. And just look in the navigation bar for Open Mic and you'll see all the dates for open mic. We've tried to schedule them at different times so that we can accommodate all of you busy parents. Some are weekends, some are evenings, some are during the day. We know there is no good time for parents, so we're trying to be as accommodating as possible. Yeah. We hope to have you join us on open mic, and we hope this listener Q&A has been helpful. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft. Made with Tencel. It's so breathable. 
with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.